Bottom line, what we've actually witnessed here is an officially planned foreign exchange market intervention to overturn an increasingly illiquid but deliverable unbacked long gold short dollar over-the-counter position. So if you were ever going to do something like this, you couldn't have picked a better time. Upon the breakout, gold's going to make a new all-time high. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over $5 billion. $0.8 trillion gold market. Why are we the only guys to see all this Hey, welcome to Live from the Vault. As you can see, I'm out of the vault today. As you can imagine, it's been a very busy uh, and hectic a couple of weeks. Uh, we're, we're excited. You know, our community is growing very fast and we thank you. Uh, keep spreading the word. There's a lot to talk about, of course. I'm sure you're uh, excited to hear what Andrew McGuire has to say. So we're going to head over to Talking Gold in just a second. You're not going to want to miss this episode. We've got some incredible insights into what's happening right now in the precious metals markets. And so uh, uh, with that, buckle up. Just before we get started, I want to remind everyone, please keep spreading the word about this channel by liking, sharing, and hit that subscribe button. Not now, but hit it right now. And then uh, click on the bell if you'd like to be notified in real time as these episodes go live. So with that, let's go right into it. Head over to the UK and talking gold with the one and only Mr. Andrew McGuire. Yes, Shane. And this is actually quite a special one, actually. But yes, of course, elephant in the room. Let's start by putting this August holiday thin market action that culminated on Monday into perspective. I mean, obviously, that is that is the major focus. This is where all the questions are coming in. Um, bottom line, what we've actually witnessed here is an officially planned foreign exchange market intervention to overturn an increasingly illiquid but deliverable unbacked long gold short dollar over-the-counter position as the window into Basel III compliance closes just before we head into season two. So if you were ever going to do something like this, you couldn't have picked a better time with Asian markets closed, some of the Asian markets closed. And really, most people I know uh, on their trading desks, they're just not there. Uh, we've got most trading desks, actually uh, skeleton staff run by juniors. And of course, what are you going to do at, at, at one o'clock in the morning? Um, you know, obviously, bearing in mind that most of Europe, this most of this happened in the over-the-counter market. So really most of it actually, which is what most people haven't picked up on yet. But what I want to do is explain why and who instigated this surgical chart painted action. I mean, it's pretty obvious. And, and I'm going to put that into context with the larger, larger picture, uh, with a particular focus on the wholesale footprints underlying this action. Now, if we start, it depends on your time frame. You start to look back uh, into a, a monthly chart. There's no damage done here. So, you know, let, let's put things into context. We also need to look at, we're going to look back at March 2020 as well, because there's some very big similarities here. But now the timing of this, well, 4 billion December contract, futures contract they put on the market, was actually dwarfed by, at best estimate, probably from garnering, speaking to most of the desks I spoke to in Europe, probably 8 to 10 billion of unallocated long spot gold over the counter positions that was sold at market into thin overnight vapor thin conditions. Now, while this unregulated over-the-counter market action was the actual driver and unreported by any media, of course, 
It translated into the COMEX $90 waterfall, which was reported and was too obvious for it not to have been officially sanctioned. So obviously, that is a reportable market. Now, the fat finger trial balloon floated by the World Gold Council, actually, that should embarrass the heck out of them. How could you even... How could you even propose that that might have been an issue? Look, these were surgical sales that had already pre-calculated where the largest over-the-counter and COMEX long stops as well, but mostly over-the-counter, where they were aggregated in this 10 times larger spot FX gold market. And with no other bearish crosses, nothing else that could have a possibly attempted to attack the bid stack that was fairly stable after non-farm payrolls, which is already discounted, what the officials did was instigate a classic foreign exchange market intervention. There is no other way of describing this. And that created an air pocket by simultaneous bid pulling and using the air pocket that that created Bear in mind that we're talking about these, these are the market makers that make this market. And, and bear in mind that not just the BIS gold desk at work here, but it's also the agent banks who have bank, uh, gold accounts of the Bank of England. Now, there is no doubt this had to be orchestrated. And so basically um, what they had to do there was essentially uh, create this air pocket, uh, pull some bids, uh, use this air pocket to buy dollars and square off this unallocated foreign exchange gold positions, but at a massive discount. Now, really, what, what we're saying here is that it's no coincidence that they precisely hit the very largest layers of long stops and short covered just as competing central bank and sovereign physical demand was awakened to jump on this discount. Now, I spoke to two major desks who had millions of ounces of silver and gold hit on the nose at the same level before it bounced. These were targeted. These stops were targeted. And we're talking about second-tier banks here and, and, and uh, very large trading desks, all of whom pretty much share information and, and know roughly where. Uh, they're all aggregated at similar, similar levels. Nobody expected a $90 move down in gold. I mean, that was outrageous, but m there's more to it than that. So, so really, these, really what happened, this short covering really came in just as central bank and sovereign physical demand was really jumping on this discount. Now, wholesale market footprints evidence competing central banks and sovereign demand, which ironically rescued the EFP, the exchange for physicals. Do you remember that's what blew up in uh, March 2020? And this was caused massive hundreds of millions of losses for, for the banks. Ironically, it was the central bank and sovereign demand that came in that rescued uh, the uh, EFPs from fractioning into into Mar in like March 2020 conditions. But it came very close. Now, what is not reported is that under the covers, the exchange for physicals, the EFPs came close to mirroring the uh, EFP blow up. And as we witnessed in March 2020, in fact, uh, these at market sell orders hit in vapor thin holiday market conditions, which we just said, most, as I say, most European deaths are on skeleton staff. Actually, Japan and Sing Singapore uh, were on holiday. And look at the hour of the day too. The little observed 
It was the little observed, less liquid but deliverable October contract, which is what most people are not seeing. It was the contango there, much like we saw in March 2020, we saw up to $100 contango in the spot in the futures market versus spot, expanded momentarily to 48 bucks, with the bid-ask spot spread widening to around the same level. Now, that is, that is because the liquidity providers ran for cover. Uh, and, and essentially, because most of these positions, the long gold positions held by others, they didn't want to deliver those. And they were suddenly, they were, they, they could, it was like deja vu. But this time, officials were ready to manage the EFPs. They're not stupid. They, these, are, these, are, these, these traders know what they're doing. But not before the October contract was capitalized on at an $8.25 backwardated discount to spot. And it will be demanded for delivery in very large size. You watch out for the October deliveries. This is going to force insiders and officials to, to also buy physical to back up any remaining residual positions not already covered and squared into this, uh, this surgical rinse. Now, this raid has forced a full spec capitulation. And any remaining sell orders are really now naked short momentum uh, sales, which sets up really a perfect base for a rally from the 1677.90 uh, December low, that the, the December contract printed that low after this 90 odd dollar smackdown. Now this low, let's put this into perspective, is exactly $227 higher than the 1415.90 March 2020 low, with the EFP between December and spot widening. Uh, the December contract actually widened to 675. So even that would have been capitalized on. But it's the October contract, which they swarmed, people swarmed into the October contract at this 825 discount. And it's a front month. It's, it's actually, even though it's the less liquid contract, it's deliverable. The COMEX is a deliverable market. Let's not forget that they're Basel III compliant and has to be physically demanded. Now, we already heard on Friday after the non-farm perils um, beat, um, headline beat, that really caused a, uh, uh, the first of this capitulation move, that we already heard that our second tier banks in, in Switzerland were already all over this October contract. And look, these guys are hedged. They're not stupid. And, and so really, you know, what this does is it really sets up a gold for a very similar $600 physically driven rally into this BIS compliance, into the Basel III compliance into the end of the year. Now, Swiss desks that we deal with, have I said, we're locking this in, in, in the October contract for size and did again on Monday. Now, it's the same. This is hedged positions. Look, same in silver, except volume was actually minuscule. Now, if you want to look, if anyone wants to look at how rigged a market can be, there was only 7,800 lots that went on sale. Now, look, usually volumes of that size would move uh, silver futures by around 20 to 5 to 30 cents. Look, we trade in those kind of volumes on a regular basis, but not two bucks. I mean, that, that is ludicrous. And, and so really, obviously, these lots were immediately jumped on. This sets up a silver rally. Look, if we look at the March 2020 lows as well, um, the, tw the 22.295 low, 
uh, is about ten. Well, it's about ten dollars and thirty cents higher than the the twelve dollar March twenty twenty low, uh, and really with an expectation of a similar scale eighteen dollar rally or thereabouts into thirty five to forty. Andrew, you just mentioned that what we witnessed this week was directly related to Basel III. Can you just elaborate for everyone? Yeah, Shane. With the Basel III window closing fast, unbacked gold derivatives need to be squared or backed with physical gold before NSFR standards are implemented on the 1st of January 2022. And as we discussed in our last episode, there are one of two options available to holders of derivative gold positions. Either they source the physical gold to back to one-to-one back up any remaining embedded derivative positions, or they have to square up these bilaterally settled over-the-counter liabilities before they roll onto their balance sheets. Now, both are happening, and it's the specs who are losing as the insiders are gaming. That's how it always has worked. Now, in, in, in order of scale, these unregulated, unbacked derivative positions comprise really of plain vanilla foreign exchange longs and shorts. Uh, and, that, and, and so, so really, anyone that trades, uh, when we see these, the, the FX market trade, it's around 15 trillion a year. But as we have highlighted before, you know, these, these 15 trillion are categorized and benchmarked by the current LPMCL clearing process as physical. Now, that has been the problem. And this so-called physical is currently allowed to back up and hedge Comex shorts. And the COMEX is deliverable. And that's alongside bilaterally settled forwards, options, leases, swaps and loans. So, but at best estimate, if you look at the entire picture, this expands total derivative exposure to at least 70 trillion. It is absolutely unequivocal that it has to be those kind of volumes. Now, look, clearly both exit strategies that we've outlined are currently in play here backing physical and squaring contracts. However, given the scale of the paper to physical imbalance and that this exit strategy first involves selling the benchmark uh, to all 70 trillion of derivative exposure, the benchmark being the the FX price, this involves squaring up the long gold leg of a long gold short dollar for an exchange cross and it means buying back the dollar. That explains the action. And that's precisely what we've witnessed. And given the degree of position concentration, it was clearly immune from regulatory oversight and officially sanctioned. It had to be. The Friday to Monday raid uh, had the effect of wrong-footing a sufficient volume of speculators to affect this week's pre-planned short-covering mandate. And of course, this is largely at spec's expense. Now, notably... None of the crosses against gold or silver had moved sufficiently to warrant the targeted official intervention. Andrew, where do you see gold and silver trading now? Shane, let's take a look at short, medium and long term picture. I think that's what people want to understand. You've got people that trade a one minute chart, 10 minute chart. Uh, You've got people who trade uh, weeklies, dailies, monthlies, etc. So let's look short term. And as we discussed in our last episode, very, very short term, and especially now after 
the current bout of chart painting, we must expect some continued short-term volatility. But the weight of overhead paper market supply is actually rapidly reducing. You have to remember that. The last thing insiders and officials want to do is expand their derivative positions, which they're just trying to cover right now. And it's quite the opposite. If one looks closely, following the large short covering debacle, there's no other word for it, they are, they are largely utilising bid-pulling efforts, not short-selling, bid-pulling efforts to trigger spec-selling into which they continue to cover off very large, unallocated, unbacked derivative gold positions into specs tricked into selling rallies into chart-painted technicals. Now, while technical traders call for lower prices, as they did in March 2020, before it rallied 600 bucks and $18 in silver, Obviously, we then need to look at the physical demand versus the remaining paper supply, which we did at that time. And we think a March 2020 type low is in. Now, the structure suggests the low hanging stops are already rinsed out. So there is no traction, no real traction to be gained to attack the Monday lows. These, are, these, these long stops are already gone. Very few people have come back in. In fact, the easy money's been made and now we're evidencing the opposite. Specs taking the short load, which loads the upside for short cover in, for insiders to take the long side of every short. And what do you think they're going to do on the upside? They're going to cover into those stops. So uh, that's the game. So then we move on to medium term. We're looking at short, medium and long term. Medium term. So if you're a medium term trader, stacker, then in simple terms, as we evidence paper market liquidity contracting, short term is going to create a, a short, a, a sort of volatile, the sort of volatile air pockets that we evidenced this week. I don't think to that degree anymore. But however, with all the other jurisdictions, including the COMEX, already NSFR compliant, this deleveraging process has become a delicate balancing act. And so in summary, in the race to exit the unallocated contracts, before the end of the year, insiders are constrained as to the degree they can dare to put deliverable COMEX gold futures into backwardation and into competing central bank demand. And I think they have definitely overcooked it. And this week's, I mean, <laughs> when we look at the October contract, that's going to be expensive. Um, this week's activity did put both December GC uh, gold futures and SI futures into actionable backwardation as well as the October contract. So, I mean, we even see silver for the first time since March 2020 in actual backwardation. Usually there's a contango. We discuss why is because when you ship stuff out from around globally, when you average the, the shipping costs, say from Russia, from places that all over the world into uh, a, a vault that's within 150 miles of New York, I mean, you're talking what, 12, 18, possibly 20 cent premiums. And when you see, so really there's always a contango. We're always very suspicious when that contango slips below eight to 12 cents, because basically that means that they're losing money. And, and so really when you now see actually silver futures in backwardation, it's because the specs have been, the specs have jumped in and they're short selling this thing. And it's, it, it's become a joke. I mean, this whole thing has become a joke. It's gonna be very, very well, there gonna be some very wealthy uh, insiders also for you stackers, what's to lose? I mean, at, at these kind of prices, 
really, when you think about it, you're not in the market to, this is not financial advice. What I'm saying is, if you're not in the market to trade and you're trying to accrue silver for the future for, as, a, as a hedge against the, the dollar, what, what, where's, the, where's the problem at this price? I mean, you know, in, in, a, in a few weeks, we're going to bring on uh, somebody who is deep in the mining sector and really understands silver and how he's intimated on a conversation today that, that really things are beginning to dry up, that easy stuff's been gone. You know, there's, there's going to be... So we'll bring that on. That's a treat for, for another time. But essentially, this is a hugely actionable price. So therefore, what we're saying, to offset physical delivery obligations... Uh, which would quickly offset the rich short covering pick, uh, pickings already gained, we also anticipate a rally off the loans low soon. And as I say last time, if you look back at a daily chart from, from uh, March 2020, it took three to four full sessions for the algos to settle after the 1450.90 March 2020 EFB spike low. That may take a couple more sections, uh, sessions for the rally to get strong legs. However, there are two bullish drivers that have to be factored in. The first one, paper market liquidity, open interest in gold, has contracted by over 300,000 contracts since March 2020. The other difference is that the COMEX has now become a deliverable market, which is why some desks are not waiting especially given the Monday overnight October 8.25 discount is hedged and going to be demanded for physical delivery. This is going to force some discipline on the insiders earlier than was seen in March. So really, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, similar in, S in, in silver futures, where open interest has contracted to about 150,000 contracts, it took four full sessions for the technical algos to settle that into physical flows and the momentum sell sellers to be overcome. That's what we're witnessing at this point. It is quite volatile, but you can see what's happening. And that opened up a very large physically driven rally, as we just mentioned. Now, now while we've observed the key market making banks on the COMEX have sneakily shifted their trading into London under the radar, some trickery is still possible, and that is indeed how this was instigated. Um, but even this morning, on Wednesday, momentums are still selling the rally and continue to provide short covering fuel for officials and agent insiders to cover a little more into. But looking at the deeply underwater options structure and the large central bank sovereign physical buying tripped off this week below 1800, and we see these lines crossing bullishly soon and regardless of a strong dollar, uh, gold and silver to start to migrate back up to their respective 1810 and 26.2 sweet spots. So then the final thing we say we'd look at is the long term. Now, this is the big picture. This is why, why our clients are stacking. This is why you should be stacking. Basel III seeks to address the collapse of US dollar hegemony. And the BIS really recognizes that gold is the only weapon that can unseat the dollar. And while the US, Russia and China are flirting with this dangerous military war, which is escalating on a day-to-day -day basis, 
The battleground is the war on US dollar hegemony. That's the key, key issue here. Now, the only solution other than um, obviously an unthinkable nuclear war, which is what we talked about the last two times, this is the only other option, is for the US to cash settle central bank rehypothecated bullion loans and leases and move to back the BIS owned US dollar denominated gold positions. Bear in mind, this is quite, this is the BIS has US dollar denominated gold positions that that with and they need to back that with physical gold in the FX market before Russia and China disclose their real physical holding. Yes, the BIS has uh, gold denominated in other currencies, but it's primarily uh, in the uh, in the dollar. So that's a you can see why they're trying to do this. Now we have look, we've been covering short, medium, and long term effects of Basel III, and we now look beyond January. 22, uh, January 2022, which then opens up the next phase, the implementation of Basel IV, which uh, I, I, we're going to cover this more in the next few weeks, but it will be exponentially more bullish for a strong gold price and it's related, uh, well, obviously it's related dollar price because really the gold isn't moving, the price isn't moving, it's the, it's the, it's the dollar, the more dollars it costs to to purchase that ounce of gold. Now, by the time Basel IV is implemented on the 1st of January 2023, the Bank of International Settlements will have already revalued gold and it will be on the long side in its efforts to maintain US dollar hegemony against military enemies such as Russia and China and increasingly the BRICS countries who already have strong affiliations with physical gold. Hey, Andrew, wait a second here. You just mentioned Basel IV, and that's kind of frightening. Uh, can you elaborate on this and tell us what the heck does this mean? Yeah, Shane, yeah, absolutely, Basel IV. Uh, look, I'm only going to touch on this today. Uh, I've got much fuller explanation coming up soon. But in essence, <clears throat> under the guise of ensuring banks don't fail again, and this is a guise, Basel IV is a globalist attempt to break the banks. This will be affected by recategorizing loans to businesses as high risk. That, that's a huge issue. And that's sufficient to cripple the credit capacity of all global banks, making business loans and mortgages actually almost impossible to obtain. That is, if you read Basel IV, that is what it aims to do. And that in turn will severely cut the credit capacity of all of the 60 plus BIS compliant global banks and increase their capital requirements to really unsustainable levels. So bottom line, this is the peak precursor to eliminating small businesses, driving in mega corporations who will become the employers and ultimately introduce a universal credit system where ownership of any asset is deemed to be unnecessary. It, there can be no other, other explanation for doing that. In our last episode, we looked at how when Basel III was first agreed in 2013, it had already driven global gold market repatriations, central bank buying. Basel IV has also influenced these moves. However, we now see this accelerating. And while global bankers try to argue against the imposition of these draconian bank-breaking regulations, and the bankers are not happy about this, Russia and China have already broken rank and are leading the pack of BRICS countries to repatriate gold as well as exchange dollars for gold as fast as possible. This is going to accelerate. However, there is a massive European pushback 
as well against Basel IV proposals. And it is the Fed that's attempting to drive the Basel Committee to implement these draconian globalist policies. Now, one of my first-year bank contacts says that likely Brexit was a pushback against Basel IV, one of the main components for wanting to implement Brexit. And we think that Basel IV will ultimately see a rift develop between the US and the BIS. These are interest. This is a really interesting situation. Ultimately, when the BIS has fully secured physical gold as a currency, it makes sense for them to move away from the dollar and employ their, their, their strong gold position on the global stage. Russia and China will in, be embraced by Europe uh, while the US stands against them. So really, we've got really when you look at who's pushing this and who's trying to defend it clearly this is a this is maybe short term the bis wants to play ball and protect us dollar hegemony but ultimately the bis wants to run with gold as its own currency i don't think the us is on board with that and this puts pay really to attempt to confiscate gold or make it illegal to own as much you know, things like cryptocurrencies, they, I mean, they become global. So has gold ownership. I mean, as, as we discussed before, the BIS has no choice but to eliminate physical draining gold capping efforts and quickly move to revalue gold. And very short term, until they've secured gold as a currency, it suits them to assist in, main, in maintaining this US dollar hegemony. So really, as we wind up here, much like Basel III did, under the LBMA, until the LBMA bragging letter came out, there was no mainstream media attention to it. Basel IV now flies under the mainstream media radar and it will continue to do so. This is a massive upcoming bullish driver for gold and current action completely eliminates or, or, or hides the upcoming forced revaluation move. I'm going to update much, much more on Basel IV very, very soon. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Live from the Vault. I certainly know that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Awesome stuff. Now, buy physical. I guess that's the underlying principle here. Buy physical, physical, physical. And thank you so much, uh, Andy. Uh, and that's all we have for you today here from Live from the Vault. Be sure to help us spread the word by sharing this channel, by liking it, by hit that subscribe button immediately and uh, then go ahead and click that bell. You'll get notified. So with that, uh, leave your comments below and we read all the comments and questions. So thank you very much and we'll see you next time on Live from the Vault. Bye for now.